0: call the worship found in your bulletin. Also, uh, let's pray for Pastor gold um, It's found in Matthew, the eighteenth chapter. Uh, God, come to the mountain to cover it in your presence.
1: Just, just the scripture reading. Read it. Yeah, you're okay.
0: good. Talking with Jesus. Peter reacted to all of this by saying to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we're here. And if you want, I'll make three shrines, tabernacles. Some of your versions say tabernacles. Um, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, look, a bright cloud of shadows. A voice from the clouds said, This is my beloved Son, whom I dearly love. I am verily pleased with Him. Listen to Him. Hearing this, the disciples fell on their faces, filled with awe. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, Jesus said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw the <coughs> Person there, except for Jesus himself. Some say, in some versions, it says in white raiment, but it was beautiful. As they were coming down to the mountain, Jesus commanded them: don't tell anybody about the vision until the human one, Christ, is raised from the dead. This is the word of God to the people of God. (laughs)
1: Well friends, last week I told you that um, whenever, if I hear the words, well we've never done it that way before, I'll say good, well here I am up here eating my own words, Um, so time for me to practice what I preach, amen? Thanks Victor, will you please pray with me and for me? Holy Spirit, your light has come before us today. Let your light speak to us. Let your light transform us. Let us worship you in all of your beauty. Amen. Who watched the Super Bowl last week? Pretty great game, right? How about that halftime show? What do we think about that? I was expecting some mixed opinions, and that is exactly what I would, would uh, agree with. Um, Rihanna has some songs we can jive with as Christians. And also, if we're being honest, some that we should probably stay away from. Songs are a bit of a mixed bag. But then she has that hit, Diamonds. That is a jam. Shine bright like a diamond, shine bright like a diamond. You and I, you and I, we're like diamonds in the sky. Should I keep singing? Honesty. We are called to be people of truth. Thank you. Well, here is Jesus this week. And he has come to show Rihanna up. He's not just shining bright like a diamond. He is shining with all the glory of heaven. There is no text that can really describe what this experience must have been like. Human language is too limited to describe it. Jesus is fully human, fully God, and the fullness of God is on display here. There simply aren't words for that. And friends, we're heading into the season of Lent, This is a time of spiritual formation. A time to turn around from things that are keeping us from the presence of God, and to turn toward life and resurrection. A time to let die what needs to die. It's a time of, or opportunity for transformation. But Lent's not quite here yet. Before we start that journey, Jesus calls us to just sit and be awestruck at his beauty. Peter, James, and John just sit there, not really supposed to do anything, and get completely overtaken by the beauty, the power, and the divinity of Jesus. This isn't something that can be understood. It's to be experienced. Trying to explain the transfiguration logically, (laughs) that's not going to go well. Because it's way beyond what our limited human minds can comprehend. This isn't a day to go to the classroom. There are other times for that. This is the day to sit. And be in awe of the beauty of Jesus. And then as we experience that... We let his divinity transform us for the sake of others. Friends, I'm not just talking about having an emotionally driven worship experience. Not just talking about giving us the feels. And I say that even as a person who's preference is toward the feeling and emotional side of things. We need to be very careful, even as we sit at the feet of Jesus, we need to be very careful (coughs) that we don't get so comfortable that we don't want to leave. That's what's happening to Peter. He's experiencing this transcendent divine experience. And his solution is that they should build an Airbnb at it. Stay right where we are. Just bathe in this beauty all for ourselves. And friends, we should bathe in the beauty and the goodness and love of God. But we don't Stay in the gosh darn bathtub. The experience with Jesus is for us. But it's not about us. Experiencing Jesus is a gift. But it's not a keepsake that is put on the bookshelf. So that it never gets scratched or messed up. It's a gift that is willing to go out, outside the doors, get scruffed up a little bit, dirt rubbed on it, be with the people of the world. We don't treat this experience of witnessing the transcendent Christ like a priceless piece of art. We treat it like a community kickball that has grass stains on it when we have been in that presence, when we have just let ourselves experience the transcendent Christ, which can happen in a variety of ways. But whatever, however it happens, if it is a legitimate experience, it should transform us to eventually bring light and life to those around us, our families, our (coughs) neighbors, our neighbors, our coworkers should know that we have experienced Christ. Not because we tell them. Not because we're all happy, happy, joy, joy. But because we're different. Because they are seeing and witnessing individuals who have spent time in the presence of Christ. And the result of that is our people who are just willing to give themselves away. Giving ourselves away for the sake of others. That means we don't hold tightly to the, things, to the things we think we need to maintain status and power. It means personal rights are no longer our highest priority. The Apostle Paul reminds us in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 12, that just because we have the freedom or legal right to do something doesn't mean it's actually helpful for us. And then after... That after 6.12, Paul says in chapter 8 to stop offering sacrifices to false gods. When we experience the glory of Jesus, we can give ourselves the gift of releasing ourselves from the allure of any glittering vice that is trying to share that altar. And here we are today. Claiming to worship the transcendent Christ. And we were reminded again this past week that we are clinging to weapons, killing our kids. I'm not sure I have exact words to experience the rage I had on Monday night. All I can think of to say is that it's the most unbelievable, believable thing. How many times are we going to say our hearts are breaking one week and then go back to normal the next? Whose grandkids are we willing to sacrifice on the altar that we've created? Or is it my future kids? Whose grandkids? Whose nieces, whose nephews, whose children are going to be sacrificed on an altar that disguises itself as freedom, but is really holding us in chains in shackles, unable to imagine a different world. I don't care what object or thing it is. If we as people of faith say that we can't imagine life without that, that we can't possibly function without some type of thing, we have to consider whether that thing has become an idol. And our God is a jealous God who hates idols that try to share God's altar. Friends, I had a dear congregation member and a man I deeply admired at my first appointment. This man loved to go hunting with his son and it was a bonding experience for them. And if we're being honest with ourselves, hunters who practice their craft ethically and legally are a heck of a lot more ethical with their kills than McDonald's is with the hamburgers that I have personally eaten who knows how many times. So if you're a hunter or if you know a hunter, God bless you, that's great. I'm not and you probably don't want me to be unless you want Dick Cheney part two. Our kids aren't getting mowed down by hunting rifles. Our kids aren't practicing hiding under desks at one of the places they should feel safest because there are ethical hunters living in our communities. Our kids are being murdered by devices whose purpose is to end life and end it quickly and efficiently. A purpose that is rooted in holding power over another. I'm not gonna, I'm not here to offer policy solutions or even discuss policy. There are a lot of different things that need to happen, including mental health. But I am here to ask, who do we worship? Young people, even though they may not be aware, are crying out for us to offer them the transcendent Christ that could release all of us from this illusion of self-preservation, and instead we just keep giving them partisan taglines. Our Michigan area Bishop, David Barr, asked earlier in this week, quoting from Matthew 7, which of you, if your child asks for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? And he goes on, after incidents like this, we pledge our thoughts and prayers, and that matters but it strikes me that in some ways, it is just half a loaf. So another one of my prayers is that we will respond to our children by offering a full loaf. That we will take our prayers and our thoughts and turn them into constructive action to build a kinder world, a less violent world. Full loaves of bread don't have room for anything else. And I use that word, altar, very intentionally. Because altar is a place of worship. And it's clear that we have tried to crowd our altar with things other than Jesus. If you take out any coins or dollar bills, you'll see we will see statements like, in God we trust. I'm still kind of glad we have that overall. I've even asked for that on my license plate before. And yet, we say, in God we trust, and we think our kids are too fragile to learn about racism, or that somebody might be gay. But telling them how to prepare if a mad person enters the school trying to hurt them is perfectly normal. Is that the fruit of trusting in God? We have tried to hold the loaf of Christ while still holding other stones at the same time. And this doesn't work. The altars need cleansing. When we're cleansed, we don't just offer thoughts and prayers we do pray. Good Lord, do we pray. But we shouldn't stop there. So on Transfiguration Sunday, the experience of witnessing the fully divine Christ, the divine Son of God, may we pray for ourselves to be Liberated from earthly glittering vices. Liberate us from the worship of violence and power. Unshackle us from the weapons of our world so that we can allow God to turn them into plowshares. Release us from self reliance and let us instead just sit in awe of the glory. And let us recognize that that transcendent Christ is enough and we don't need the things that the world is offering. We don't need to find our identity in anything other than your beloved children to worship you and you alone. Friends, take time to bask in the beauty of Jesus. You're worthy of that. But don't let yourself stay there. The point of transformation isn't just to stay on the glorious mountaintop, but to follow Jesus down in the valley, the real world of suffering and rejection. Transformation is partly for us, but it's not just for us. It's for a world in need the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. Being with God, spending that time with God, just basking in that glory, it's something that spills outward. And now that same glory, that same transcendent Christ, in just a couple, several more weeks, it's going to be nailed to our cross. So we are to let our own transformation become sweat-stained hands, willing to wash feet and have hearts that wash away the tears of neighbors. The faithful life of Christ doesn't just get to sit in the beauty. It takes the beauty. And like Jesus, like Eugene Patterson says in his paraphrase The Message, moves into the neighborhood, pours itself out in love. Friends, as we head into Lent, let that be the transformation that we live into. Amen.